Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's an in-memoriam episode. We are marking the life of the actor Sidney Poitier, who passed away at the age of 94. A very good innings. Well done, sir. Uh, Sidney was in so many films, uh, was an Academy Award winner and a groundbreaking actor um, in so many ways, representing uh, the African-American community. We are watching one of the classic films featuring uh, Sidney Poitier, 1967's Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. It's Sydney, I think. Uh, I have not seen this film, and neither has my first guest, Anna Sheehy. Hello, hello. Anna, how are you doing? Very good, thank you. Um, Anna, uh, just for the folks at home, who are you and what do you do? They might not have heard from you in a while. Oh, no. Um, I work in an escape room at the moment, building things. I do things for theatre. I'm a oh. builder. So, as in building things for an escape room, uh, mm. I imagine that is basically anything that's in there like the props yeah all of the sets and props um sort of building to a standard which can't be broken by hundreds of children who think this is a clue and it's like it's not a clue it's It's just a a nightmare i thought building things for no offense actors was bad but building things (laughs) (laughs) for the people who come to escape rooms it uh you're surprised daily by what people achieve wow um sydney poitier Mm. um have you seen any films with him in um I honestly don't think I have. Mm. I don't think it's an era of film I'm particularly familiar with. Mm. I think I've heard about this film more as a Catherine Hepburn, like one you should see mm. if you want to know her works. So I was looking into her a while ago, but no, I'm not familiar with his career at all. So what do you know about Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Um, I know it was a big deal mm. and seemingly like pretty groundbreaking at the moment it came out or was, it's, I think it's about a time further in the past than it was released in possibly Mm. but yeah still a massive deal to sort of have that moment of a really uh unique dynamic Mm. of that era of you know yeah the the the, uh the interracial relationship uh, yeah that's that's depicted which was such a taboo on screen for so so long Mm. um so no that's that's all i know about it really well luckily for you and i we have a guest who has seen the film uh welcome to the program kate willoughby hello okay uh just for the folks at home who are you and what do you do um well my name's kate uh i'm an actor um i try not to break set pieces uh uh, i'm an improviser and um stand-up comedian i suppose Hmm. yeah a triple threat triple threat of making people laugh and not getting paid a lot to do it (laughs) um so guess who's coming to dinner yes um you uh, are one of the few people that when i polled the many guests we have yeah when i say the few i think it was you and maybe one other person that has seen a film with Sydney Poitier. Well, first of all, it was that um, poll because we have a private group. Um, a special um, little group yeah, for special you, little people. Yep. Um, it was that post. That's how I found out he died. Oh, I hadn't. No. I didn't know he had died yet. And so I, it was like in red. And I went, what? And then I left the page and went on to Google. And I was really sad that he'd passed away. Um more so like more so than betty white like uh, they're both Mm. and i think it's also sucks because they died so close together like not a lot of people are actually like when it came to entertainment world and stuff not a lot of people are talking about him and he did go into retirement about uh, i want to say 10 years but you know how you hit 
you say something's 10 years ago and it, yeah. and it was ages ago. <laughs> yeah, it's um, 2022, but 10 years ago was 1998. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I know he his sort of retirement thing, there was a big dinner with like Oprah Winfrey. So she was still on television um, mm. oh, okay. and she, it was sort of a, a retirement thing. So he has left, He you know, which made him less of a focal point, I suppose, while Betty White sort of, she was in television. So she mm. stayed sort mm. of more in the social conscious. Um yeah, I only got his work in high school. An English teacher put on Two Sir With Love mm. and I really liked it. But of course, school classes only go for like 45 minutes. So they stopped the movie halfway through <laughs> um, and uh, I wouldn't have English till next week. So uh, we went to the video store to try and find it mm. and um, they were doing box sets of um, of his work. So oh. they had Two Sir With Love Um uh, the sequel to Sir with Love. There's I forgot what it's called. It's like PS or whatever. <laughs> and then they had um get that was in one box set. And then they had Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Right. And I had never s- seen it. Um. And my mum was like, Oh, I remember watching it. You know, it's a good film. And so yeah, I went through most of his um early works. I actually haven't watched a lot of his um later stuff from like the eighties. Um. Mm. He sort mm. of retired filming in like the nineties. I think he started doing less. Um. But yeah, it's a it's a really good film. I think it's a stage show now. Yeah, well, I, I know that there was a stage show made about two of the other actors from this film, um, Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn, mm. um, because this was... Um, it was Spencer Tracy's last film. Last film. He he died, died a couple of weeks weeks after filming Whoa. this. Yeah, he was very he was very ill when they were making this. Oh. Um, and um, only Catherine um, Hepburn knew. Um, and mm. I think in an interview, there's this beautiful. It was his last. It was his last um, day on set and his character has this monologue and it's it's a great monologue. Mm. Um, and uh, Catherine Hepburn plays the wife and she's looking on and there's this beautiful, teary, great reaction of her. And I think in interviews she stated that she knew he was sick and um, only, very few people did. He was mm. keeping it on the down low and she knew that he probably wouldn't be working Again, this might be mm. his last film. Mm. Um, she didn't know how... They didn't really know how long he had. Mm. Um, so she was watching him in this moment, him giving this... There are so many great actors in this film. Mm. Like, that's what a... Like, and I no wonder it's a stage show because mm. it's set... It's very much like a play. Mm. Uh, it's very dialogue heavy. There's There are set scenes in the house. There's only one one scene that it's set, like, outside of the house. Um but everything, and even then it's in a car. Um, the rest of it's all very much said about it's in the house. You're mm-hmm. in the backyard. You're in the study. You're in the lounge room. You're in the dining room. So it's, yeah, it's so many great actors. And also really good for, because um, Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy, uh, Spencer, Spencer Tracy, they were from like a certain era of Hollywood. Um, and I would also say that for like um, Sydney. I think him passing, he was part of another generation of old Hollywood that no longer exist it was like that transitional period he Mm. was in some like that classic era of hollywood but also was transitioning through the 60s and the 70s so him passing i think is sort of that i guess that finalization of like that classic hollywood era Mm. i think for me i'm like well that's gone now that now that he's passed away Mm. yeah yeah well with all that being said yes shall we watch the film yes hope you guys like it yeah okay for those of you listening at home pop on those dvds load up those streaming services and serve those breadsticks that's a traditional starter right uh yeah i suppose who doesn't like breadsticks yeah the, french the, onion dip yeah yeah so get get all of that out as we watch guess who's coming to dinner 
Welcome back, everybody. Guess who came to dinner? We did. And by we, um, and by dinner, I guess I mean the film Guess Who's Coming to Dinner is what we came to watch. What a beautiful analogy. I know. Uh, we are around a dinner table, though. We are, actually. We are yeah. sitting candles and it, everything. It is yeah. very fitting. Um, and there's a priest in the corner over there <laughs> oh drinking God. all the gin. And your husband has been cooking and we've just made him <laughs> stay in the kitchen and not come out. Yeah. So. Sorry, a little frilly apron. Yes. Uh, welcome back to the program, though. I'm joined once again by Kate Willoughby. Hello. And Anna Sheehy. Good afternoon. Anna, that was your first time watching it. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. What did you think? It's so good. Mm. I had the best time. I was, um, I think I expected very little, except I knew that it would be about a fairly serious subject matter and have mm. a lot of tense moments. And while that's still absolutely true, there's so much more depth to it. It's mm. really funny at the same time. And yeah, holds you in that like really tense place mm. while still having all this other stuff happening during the film. It was so good. I was not expecting it to be so funny. Mm. I, I really was surprised by and also i think the thing that surprised me is the central relationship of john and joanna the fact that they are very upfront about the fact yeah i know he's black yeah i know she's white like at no point do they go no we know this is an issue and it feels very unlike other films of this time or other media of this time that deals with interracial Mm. couples when obviously america in the 1960s uh race relations were interesting uh, as they continue to be but in the 60s they were interesting in italics i guess um because because history was happening while this film was going on like you said the martin luther king line the scene had to get taken out because he was assassinated while the film was coming out in cinemas and and when they were talking about their marriage would be illegal to 16 17 states that law was you know was changing as the film came out and Mm. obviously they kept it in there because it, it like this was this film came out like the civil rights movement was happening like it was um and i think when you put that context especially who the parents are meant mm. to be playing like you know the dad was like you know you're 30 years older than me but like yeah this is the midst of the civil rights you know so like mm. his dad and his mom you know segregation is still going on like the the you know voting rights like their um their parents probably most likely would have been um, the high chance of being slaves themselves. So, like, mm. slavery is only one generation, maybe two, depending on ages away. So yeah. it's not like mm. it's it's very yeah. It's it's um yeah it's it's you can feel how live that issue is yeah in what's been captured in the film. Um, and we should clarify, um, we, we are three white people talking about this film. Yes, so, and Australian, and we're Australian. Yeah. Uh, where... a lot of cultural knowledge is lost there. Yeah, and uh, also you know very much a knowledge that uh, we've got some shit we haven't dealt with. But um, yes. just with that disclaimer um, in place, um, I the thing I really appreciated was, and, and I did find it funny in a mm. way that felt quite contemporary yeah was Great when writing for example yeah was when joe uh, says to her mum when she first finds out that um this this man that she's met is is black and she's like do you need to sit down you look like you're going to faint because he's black like <laughs> essentially and i was like oh oh okay they're they're completely aware of the situation yeah and it's and him going like i'm a doctor and i don't mean to you know tell you what to do but you might want to sit, sit down, down. Yeah. <laughs> before yeah. you fall down yeah. <laughs> they've got lines they've got quips and they're still they're still great i think you need it because one good writing uh, the whole thing is fantastic writing um and great acting like everyone like there's not one weak 
actor in the scene. It's no. a very, you know, cast-driven, dialogue-driven. Even driven. Skip Martin, Even the, Skip Martin, <laughs> the delivery boy, who was coming in. Dancing the whole time. Um, and then they jump into the next scene about um, where, the, the, uh, where the dad and John, they're talking about how white people are bad at dancing. And mm. I... I was like, what a great transition. <laughs> we've just seen uh, Skip. We've just seen He's exquisite in motion. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think because there is that tension, like the whole film, you're like, what, you know, what is this dad going to say? You know, mm. what is this final outcome? And they do a great job of reiterating, like, these are the stakes. These are the stakes. Mm. It's getting mm. brought up. There's a time limit. You know it's happening. And so with that tension, I think it was smart having laughter, like because people having good lines, so mm. you're enjoying a good film. Um, mm. Yeah, while it's while you're seeing what's going on, mm. and it makes them more human. It makes like the whole. It felt very, even though it's so staged, mm. it felt very real. And yeah. they they tiptoed that line of theatricality and realism really well. Mm. Um, it's no wonder that it, somebody was like, we should make this a stage play yeah. because it's yeah. yeah. The the plot such as it is is um that the, yeah john and joe met uh two weeks ago less than two weeks ago mm. in hawaii uh fell in love and they've decided to get married so they're going to joe's parents um but joe is white john is black and there's, there's a big issue with that socially as as we've said um the, the parents of joe we, we spend a lot more time with yeah. um who are matt and christina who are relatively well-known figures in San yeah. Francisco. Matt is the newspaper editor. Christina runs an art gallery. Um, yeah. And they are... They're you know, liberal. Pretty, they're they're broad, they're, and also mm. most likely atheists because they mm. talk about how they have no religion, so, yeah. but they know a priest. So it's very much like they're very affluent, mm. but they have no religion. Mm. They're very liberal. That sort of language of very liberal people. And the fact that she does a gallery, yeah. you know. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, it, yeah and um, I... I I really, really like those characters. Mm. Um, we'll, we'll get onto the, the the actors behind them in just a little bit, but I, I think the way that they're written and the purposes that they serve in in the narrative are great. Uh, because with with Christina, it is I think a really good representation of that unconditional love. She is not comfortable with the situation when it's first brought in. At no point does she go don't do this mm. Mm. even though that initial shock of of um the fact that that john is black it really affects her in that first scene yeah um but she comes to terms with that um and and never really wavers from that position of well this is what joe wants so i'm going to support what joe wants uh matt as as someone who has um or we're told at least has has constantly been uh very very outspoken about his liberal beliefs yeah and especially um, in the paper and they yeah. talk about martin luther king like briefly in a reference so it's yeah. very clear mm. that like he would have been a guy writing political stuff about you know anti-segregation yeah. like about voting rights See, i think previously. that's yeah. i think mm. that's always sort of been his thing and i thought that was a really cool conversation at the beginning where you have as a husband and wife going we told her to mm. treat people equally and that the idea that white people are superior is bigoted, it is stupid, mm. but what we should have said, oh, but don't bring home a black man. Like, I think it was a a very, mm. that idea of, well, these are the ideals we've instilled in our child. Now we actually have to, f- to face them truly. and mm. like, yeah, action. And Monsignor yeah. Ryan coming out swinging with the, it's wonderful to see. 
<laughs> a liberal facing their true, the tiny little bigoted person inside of you that yeah. just lives there, which, you know, is something I think when, when later um, John is talking to his father mm. and talking about the generational difference that lives there, yeah. that, you know, both of their parents in very different ways, but, um, you know, Joe's parents have lived through such a big change as well that in reality there is a tiny little bigoted person living inside yeah. them mm. like I think their that, childhood and everything they were raised with and they put these coats and coats of liberalism over it mm. but inherently yeah. it still sticks there yeah mm. it's that unconscious bias that still exists within everyone and mm. i and i think that's what was really great is that they didn't hold back they you know they were mm. using words like bigot they were using like and you know you can and, and liberal yeah. and you can clout you know and the fact that they made them um that they made them wealthy. They were having this, because I think also the discussion about racism, a lot of time goes into that country town, poor people, Mm. you know, your idiot bigots are backwards. And like, I think that the reason they were like, no, let's, they're wealthy, they're elite, they're liberal. In fact, we're making, we're making John a a doctor. Like he has everything written down that on paper. Mm. If you said your daughter wants to marry this person, he's an exceptional human being. And like the only thing is his race. And that's sort of the, the point is Mm. him hide, but him hiding behind it is his own bigotry. Like maybe of that, but it doesn't come from, I think black people are less. It's, and maybe a little bit, but it's really about the fear of, what will happen in the real world of the consequences Mm. of the reality, I guess the quote unquote, like you don't know the reality of Mm. what the real world is like. Mm. Um, Because I mean, particularly at that time, I think it's really hard for people who didn't live through that time to appreciate just how wild and and dangerous it was mm. for people of different races in not just America, but we are focused on America here um, to, to be open in these relationships yeah um you know nowadays you know we're we're 50 plus years on from when this film came out we see interracial couples on all sorts of programming in many places around the world and it's often particularly if it's set in a contemporary story not a big deal or it's not it's not what the story's about yeah. Um, unless it's a, a terrible remake of this film called Guess Who, where uh, they race reverse everything that you were telling us about. Yeah, Kate. nobody needs to watch that um, <laughs> film yeah. ever. Ashton Kutcher uh, is no Sidney Poitier, I'm mm, learning. No, he's not. Uh, but I, I also liked, because for me, this film is is so great where it's just a whole, like it's an allegory. Like, you know, when re- like it's, I think this is a film that's a great mm. example of, you know, everyone goes, oh, it has happened so quickly. Or, oh, she does seem naive because she truly, when, you know, when um, John says, you know, she truly doesn't see a difference between us. Like, mm. you know, that kind of, she genuinely just doesn't go, oh, I don't have a problem with black people. It's like she has, she sees us as complete equals and she has no biases within her. Like, and she's sort of that I- ideal, quote unquote, mm. and that, the parents keep saying this is going too fast this is happening too fast why can't things slow down it's Mm. happening so quickly we need time to adjust and then them going well we have to trust that these kids know what they're doing because it's happening Mm. like even his favorite ice cream place like he says i didn't have this ice cream before but now i do like it but then there's all these young people (laughs) in the area that he used to take his wife when they were younger for date nights and Mm. now they're surrounded by these teenagers that they don't understand and i think it's sort of like this it's like these parents are america they are 
the mm. the older generation of going it seems quick like it seems like it's not going to work but and that's not the real world that's not the holding real, on to that harsh that's not the bitter reality is, that's mm. the real world and it's always going to be like that mm. and you kids can't change just it slow down it's only going to hurt down. you it's yeah it's not going to happen in your generation and mm. i think it's such a great job making it they've only known each other two weeks and they're getting married because it's a great metaphor or you know allegory for where the country was where everyone's going oh hang on no 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 like you know you let's slow down of what's mm. happening because this is what was mm. happening it's sort of like you fight for rights mm. well now we got to see it in practice we're fighting for equality so what does that mean um yeah. which means that the face of of the country is going to be changing mm. um yeah. I, I i reflecting on this has just occurred to me joanna i think is portrayed as being a little bit naive at times mm. But I'm actually wondering how much of that is because she is a young woman. Yeah. She, she's 23 and her age is brought up a lot. Yes, and, and his age as well. Yeah, and it, it is quite clear that she has lived a very privileged and possibly sheltered life. Yes. To, because she has been brought up with this mindset of where she doesn't see John as black. She sees John as a man. Yeah. Uh, and at no point, you know, she never moves from that position they they her mm. parents brought her up in this particular way and she's completely gone on board with it i do wonder if a lot of the the judgment of sort of like oh it's a bit quick oh i don't know if they know what they're getting into is because she's a young woman as well yeah and i think that's sort of the point is that because you know because she's young she doesn't know what she's doing and it puts on that that pressure of again is this the right choice to make um which i think Again, if, yeah, you're looking at everything. Um, we were actually talking about it and saying that I think, I mean, yeah, she did grow up privileged. And the fact that, you know, Tilly, you've got um, the, um, uh, what, do, what do they call them? Um, like when you're, like it's the a maid or is it a, like because you're a cook or cook. a cook. She's a cook, but she's also, I think she also collo- helps. She's a housemaid. I yeah, think the, that's gen- the, the general refers to as the help is my understanding. Yeah, Like true. colloquially. Yeah. Because she was clearly a nanny at one stage She as well, clearly helped she raise her. raising Joey. Yeah, which also shows, you know, the position of, of privilege that she was raised mm. in as well. Um, but... Um, I think we were, you know, Anna and I were talking about it is that you do see it as like naive, but then you also, she's, a lot of people see it as naive because you were saying, Anna, that like, because they're assuming that because she's young, that she doesn't know. And that if she did yeah. know, she would She'd be, be scared. Terrified. She'd be terrified mm. of Just what's like going to happen. Just like all the parents are. But I think she does know. And I, because it's some of the like stuff that she says, like, oh, it's because, you know, it's because he's black. Is yeah, that like why? Stephen was saying, like the blunt way she talks about things, it seems like almost like the naivety of a child just to bring up the yeah. elephant in the room. But she does it so frequently and all of her language is so intentional mm. yeah. that I start to see her as rather than a naive character, as a brave character. Um, she sees what yeah. everyone else sees. She understands yeah. the problem. But she is brave enough to believe that they can overcome and, it and that it isn't a problem. And I think that's mm. why he, when, you know, everyone calls her Joey and she goes, well, no, John, you know, you know Matt says to, you know, call me uh, Joanna. And I quite like it because he he treats her like an adult mm. um, as, as his equal as well. Um, because, and I think it's, yeah, she's more aware than she lets on she's mm. still naive like she's still naive in the sense of yeah she's from a place of privilege and there's going to be stuff that she doesn't have as a lived experience which is why also having him older i think a part of it might have had to do because um because uh, sydney port uh oh, sydney i always say sydney portier but that's not it uh portier 
um, was older and they wanted him. Mm. Um, but mm. I think it works. Like he had a wife, he had a child, he's mm. lost them both. He is older. You know, he has this experience of his life um, and she brings something out. So I think they even each other out. He's got these experiences and she doesn't. And mm. I think that's what makes him and he has work. to he has to underestimate her a little bit yeah for part of the you know integral part of the story which is yes. that he's not going to go forward with it if her parents don't agree mm. yeah and that means that he has to on some level believe that if their relationship breaks down they're like he's not enough she'll be upset yeah he doesn't believe her whatever she says that you know that's just all by no happen. matter what yeah. yeah and then his mother tells him that you know you've underestimated like yeah. People have underestimated her. Mm. She's not going to yeah. let you go. That's what I've been told and that's what I believe because yeah. I see what you have. And especially because you realise because he lost his wife and his child and it's that fear of losing her. Like, so, mm. you know, if he if if they went off together and then she lost him out of heartbreak because of their relationship with the parents are gone, he would lose someone else that he's loved. And mm. I think that mm. he's sort of holding himself back a little bit. And that's like, a beautiful yeah. scene when he's holding his mother's hand and, yeah. like, saying how he's never he never thought he could feel this way about someone i think that was the first turning point where i think if he'd let the dad um uh sorry um uh the white dad oh what's his name uh, matt. matt matt that if matt and him had that conversation before he dragged him out to make the speech i think he would have been like you know what screw you mm. if you don't agree i'm still gonna marry her because yeah. you know what i shouldn't actually put myself down because I do see myself like as a man and I shouldn't be stepping back. Mm. You know, I say that to my dad, I have to actually have that with you. And I, yeah. Yeah. And it was really lovely seeing, um, his, uh, Dr. John's, um, growth over the day because he's clearly very nervous about his parents. He knows that his dad, his, his dad definitely won't approve. He wanted of... to write him a letter. That was so funny. Oh yeah, yeah I'll write a letter. <laughs> yeah. Like I'll... on the plane, I'll tell you. And, and let's plane. talk a little bit about Sydney because obviously we're watching this because of his yeah. passing. He does a really great job of being a son who is shit scared of his parents not approving of something he's done that he knows mm. that they won't approve mm. of, and it, he does this incredible job of being this person who's never had to stand up to his parents who he clearly loves and respects yeah and he's 37 and he's a doctor and he was like the assistant director at who you know the world <laughs> health organization i know and yet he went at the, in the airport when his parents turn up he's like a teenager like i really hope you like my girlfriend <laughs> please yeah yeah he does such a such a great job of mm. like charming and nervous mm. and like and how he is when it's just um him and joanne together like yeah. the flower and that oh, like hair and moment. that little you know mm-hmm. and how like that joyfulness and then the nervousness and mm-hmm. the like and that scene with his dad like i feel like such a when i say people don't make movies like they used to anymore <laughs> mm-hmm. but like the fact that they just held the camera there mm-hmm. they didn't do different cuts they didn't go close in nothing they just let him act and then they let him walk walk away a little bit just let him take a breather and then turn back to him and they kept and just seeing that change of, mm. of yes, yeah, standing up to his dad, of going, look, I, what I said was pretty mean. And he sort of knew that. He's like, yeah. you should all drop <laughs> dead and I'll be gone from your burden. <laughs> but, like, it was just him letting that out, of going, yeah. you're putting this burden on me that it's not fair. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, and I think that was really interesting of, of having that conversation, of going, like, 
I love you and I'm always going to love you. But, mm. you know, you see yourself as someone that, that's another and that shouldn't be at the table. Like mm. you're always going to see yourself as an outsider and I don't, I don't want to be that. Um, yeah. 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 And I mean, Sydney is obviously so great. That fantastic so- in this film. But he is not alone. That entire cast is great. Mm. Yeah. Um, I love Catherine Hepburn. And yeah. it took about 30 seconds of her being back in the film for me to go, I've not watched a Catherine Hepburn <laughs> film in too long. And it was such a, a pleasure to see her in something I hadn't seen before. She's so good, Anna. She's just... Everything she does is absolutely th- the right choice at that time. Mm. Yeah. You know, the, the delivery... Um, they put something in her eyes, or did yeah. she do it her own? Because she no, was constantly she has the wettest eyes in Hollywood. Yeah, like, yeah. it's it, and so emotional, like mm. always appropriate. But yeah. yeah, she just can well up in a second. Yeah. 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 I think um, she's fantastic. I, I think we all would agree she has one of the best go away speeches. Oh my god! When Hillary, oh who clearly. God doesn't approve of this interracial couple turns up and it 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 came out of nowhere like a train in the night it was just all of a sudden she was telling hillary to get out of her life and that she was fired yeah and you knew straight away i want you to do this thing you're gonna um, get five thousand dollars and you can clear up this and that and then you're gonna clear anything that reminds me of you yeah yeah including that and i love it because you saw it at the beginning and it was the ugliest (laughs) the ugliest thing thing. and you could tell straight away that when she came in that the mum never liked her. And then yeah. the fact that she was like, I feel so sorry for you. What are you going to do? And like this gossip of she's going to tell everyone, mm-hmm. like, and the language that she was using. And I, what was the word that she said? I, it's like, it was like, she tries to talk and she's like, don't talk. Yeah. Just don't talk. Just drive. Just, yeah. yeah, just go. <laughs> Leave. Yeah. Um, and, it, and then the fact that again, she walks in and her daughter's like, she was such a bitch to us. Like, we only heard the end of the conversation. Mm. Like, so you don't oh, even know yeah. what the rest of it was. And she mm. goes, I'm really sorry. I wish you would just fire her. And the fact that she doesn't tell her daughter. And I think that's great is yeah. the fact that you saw her go, you know what? Yeah, I don't like you anyway. You're always mean. And now the fact that you're just, you're just such a racist mm. and like you're making this a lot difficult and you're putting your nose in, I'm firing you and stand, you know, doing that sort of standing up, but then not telling her daughter mm. and like sort of going like you know she's ruthless she gets it from her dad and so you know <laughs> that that again puts on that her daughter is more aware than she lets on because yeah. she's has that ruthfulness but also like you were saying the whole film you were like this mom has a plan she's trying to get the parents alone she's mm. making a game plan to get all the parents on her yeah. side you know um yeah Catherine Hepburn would have been so a great good. Cersei Lannister at, oh. at the right time Just, yes yeah that could have been or, um, sensational. Oh, it's the grandmother one who murders all the people. The one where Maggie Smith is the murdering grandma? No, no, the grandmother in Game of Thrones. It doesn't matter. But oh, no, uh, the, yes. The old one yeah, who gets poisoned yeah. in the end. That would yeah. have been incredible. Um, yeah. the, see, I think, again, because I haven't watched this, and neither Stephen and I have, mm. and obviously you have slightly different experiences. While I did believe that Catherine Hepburn's character was supportive of her daughter Mm. and loved her daughter more than anything and was on board very quickly. Mm. The tenseness that she carried through the whole film, the anxiety on behalf Mm. of her husband, on the whole situation for the happiness of her daughter, kept me on edge, wondering, not that if at some point she'd flip, but at some point the stress of it would become so much that she would be like, darling, can't you just reconsider? Can't you just stay here for a bit? Do you have to get married so quickly? I'm worried. I'm so anxious for you. I love you so much. And... um. 
it was just it's just amazing that even yeah. even though I knew of course she was supportive that there was that just stress that she carried. You know, she has a breakdown in front of Monsignor um, Ryan, just being like mm. something bad's happening. Like this is a bad day. Yeah. Like everyone admits at the end, you know, like this isn't a happy day. This mm. is a stressful day. This is, this is a terrible shit. day. We're not mm. all gonna have like a really fun dinner after this. This is weird and hard. Um, but yeah, incredible that the whole time, even though I could see how much she loved her daughter, that underlying feeling of, mm. ah, what, like, how do I, how do we reconcile all of this? How do I get yeah. a peaceful family back after this? And, and that's why I think it's in really, really incredible, the writing, because at no point is anyone, there's no, there's no cartoony villain. There's nobody no. going, I will separate them because I just am racist. The yeah, closest yeah, yeah. is the art woman. The, yeah. The, yeah. The closest. And she, gossipy, and she but she's sort of just gossipy and like, mm. yeah. yeah. But, you know, Matt's reservations about the dangers they're going to face are completely understandable, as is his eventual realisation when he goes, son of a bitch, when he's in the garden. <laughs> so good. And then comes in and does that big speech at the end where he goes, yeah, you are going to have a lot of trouble to face. I'm not going to be one of them. I, yeah. Which is... Mm. And so also, important, because he knows. Yeah. He's like, why should I be someone that's yeah. stopping you and making your life harder when you know it's going to be hard. Yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's just, uh, again, so many great journeys that characters go on. Mm. Like, like he, he goes through that. Um, I, I really loved the, the time we got to spend with John's parents. Yeah. Um, and the, the performances that they put in, particularly um, his, his mum. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Mary is just gorgeous. And mm. clearly, like, as worried as everyone else, but just sat so still. Yeah. And just so controlled and being, well, it's it's going to be a particular way and we're just going to have to deal with it. Like, that felt so genuine. And I, I, mm. part of me wonders, from a writing perspective, if that is because she is a black woman who is of a certain age that has lived through all of these experiences mm. and almost, you know, has learnt about what her emotions are more so because arguably her life experiences they would have yeah. been tested the most yeah well i also think i mean hollywood in general still has that issue with diverse casting but when you actually have more than one black person you know or one just one token person of color in mm. a film you can have diverse views and opinions and, mm. and characters personalities. and personalities you yeah. know so you have uh, Tilly, who you know, uh, you know, could have been, mm. like, could have easily have just been a really broad stereotype, yeah. and it sometimes looks like it might go there, mm. but it never does. And yeah. when you watch some other Hollywood films of how they would uh, uh, do her, so they show two, they show three strong women mm. um, in different ways. So they show um, Tilly, who you know, um, she raised her. She's like from, uh, she's from the same generation. Um, and is really looking out for him and sees that he's in the wrong. She doesn't want the relationship to happen because she sees John as mm. he's coming in to ruin this family. Um, mm. While the younger woman, I forgot her name, she went out dancing in the 60s. Yes. Um, oh, uh, Dorothy. Dorothy. She's yeah. clearly, you know, maybe she's like the same age or a little bit younger. She's probably maybe 18 to 20. Yeah. And so she's there ready for the the swinging 60s she's modern she's, she's modern she's going out dancing you know mm. she's going out dancing 
with a white guy yeah, with like skip Martin. with skip um you know and they're oh, going out to to go out and boogie like mm. that's the you know so she's this young like the other teenagers you know mm. having gum being young youthful <laughs> um and then you have the the mother who can be kind and soft and mm. um you know and emotional yeah. um and i think that shows because normally in films they'll go oh if we're making if we're writing it most films even now oh if we have a black woman she's got to be loud she's got to be like they put these stereotypes of mm. how a woman should behave in film um but also depending on your race mm. how you should behave in yeah. a film as well so and as the conversations were happening and everyone's breaking off the one conversation i really wanted was mary to talk to matt and it happened it happened it was such and a great I was scene like, yes this is oh, this is perfect. exactly what i want because i want to see those two viewpoints come together mm. and it's I think maybe the most important conversation in the film. It's the one that changes his mind yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's done in such a way that doesn't feel forced. And and to be honest, it's not even really a conversation. Mm. It's it's a monologue from her yeah, because truly. Matt but it's the fact that Matt listens. So yeah. many people listen to yeah. this movie. Like it <laughs> I think that was the only part of it that felt fantastical to me there's so many <laughs> real people and real characters but people kept having arguments mm-hmm. where i was like if i was you know i could imagine rehearsing those arguments in my head and like mm-hmm. figuring out exactly what i want to say to someone and then taking it to them and then having that person you know interrupt you a million times yeah. and go over their own opinions whereas so many times in this people willing to listen mm-hmm. um which was yeah, yeah was I, really I, cool. I, quick quick shout out for uh um for i, I don't know how to pronounce this one uh, Monsignore, Monsignore, Monsignor, Monsignor. Sorry, yeah, I'm yeah, not the Catholic, Catholic priest. Yeah, uh, Mister Mr. Ryan, <laughs> yeah. the Irish priest. Yeah, who is just a fabulous uh, breath of fresh air in this film. Just um, when you need him as well, because everyone's yeah. feeling tense, and then in comes like the Catholic priest, and then mm-hmm. and then he's like, "Oh, you're black. Oh, you're getting married." Cool. Right. You're the problem. Oh, huh? right. You're the problem. Ha ha. That and makes then, sense why we want to go golfing. Yeah. And then it's like ha ha ha. And then yeah. he leaves and he has like legitimately just no issue. Like he's just mm. going, oh he's yeah. He's just floating can... through it all until he realizes that his best friend seemingly might actually genuinely be opposing it. Yeah. And he suddenly like hardens up. He's yeah. like, mm. I don't understand. I've respected you all these years. I respect you still. But this is the first time I've ever pitied and you. It's actually it's actually a really good example of um uh, of calling in because a lot of like mm. when people talk about calling out and calling in and it's um about when you talk to someone about well anything but in particular for like if you're looking at racism about how do you talk to someone and like this scene is a really good example of calling in of someone going I respect you I you're my friend I care about you but I think you're making a mistake and yeah. I think and I'm really surprised by your views because I never saw this side of you before mm. and it does a and it all does a really good job of of yeah listening of like what does a conversation look like of people with with different views but are so similar like the two dads completely agree on mm. why they shouldn't be together you mm. know um but also the, yeah he does a great job of going oh i want to see this play out because he thinks i'm just going to be in for an awkward dinner i'll make some jokes mm. it'll be like ha ha i'll get some free scotch um and then yeah the second he finds out this like he yeah he goes into if i was mm. younger i'd wrestle you to the ground to, to, mm. to stop you I'll from you what's up. doing it and i yeah. so great he was so funny yeah it it, it is just really beautifully balanced um 
the 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 one actor we haven't really discussed is Spencer Tracy. Um, but marvelous. I'd, I'd like to sort of segue that into the trivia section because so much of the trivia is about um Spencer Tracy. Oh, I'm not surprised. And and the fact that as we mentioned before, he died really soon after making mm. this. He was um, very ill, um, which I think was quite evident watching the film. You could tell yeah. that he was he was unwell. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so all of this trivia is sourced from IMDb. If it's not true, don't blame me. Uh, Spencer Tracy uh, actually passed away 17 days after filming oh, was wow. complete. So that last scene, which, as you said, Kate, that last scene mm. they filmed is his big speech at the end of the film. Gosh. Yeah. That was filmed 17 days before he died. Yeah, and you know, like again, like I was like, oh yeah, and Catherine Hepburn, you and you watch that scene. That's what she said in an interview. When I watched that scene, hmm. she she is she's emotional the whole way through. Like she's mm. on a nervous breakdown the whole way through and does an amazing job. But that was the first time where I went, "You're not acting because hmm. of the chin." Yeah. Because in every other yeah. scene when she's been nervous, it was controlled in the eyes, but her chin kept dimpling in in certain scenes, especially when he would say things like, "You know, if I could, you know." If I, you know, hopefully I'll live a lot longer, you know, I'll see this thing, you know, the way that I love this woman, like, and this person he's known in his life. Yeah, her chin would be dimpling in and quivering at certain points. And I was like, you are legitimately emotional listening to him speak. Yeah. Um, And as you say, uh, Catherine Hepburn was basically the only person, well, some people knew, um, but not everyone was, was aware um Catherine was she's never she never watched the completed film she watched scenes but she couldn't bring herself to watch the whole thing because it was too painful for her um she had to use her salary as backing in order to get the movie made because the studio didn't want to make it because they were worried he was going to drop dead on them which to be fair if he was as ill as he was is is a reasonable concern 17 days they they were concerned he wouldn't make it to the end of the the filming process the producer and director stanley kramer also put his own salary up as backing um so the director and Catherine hepburn were both like no we don't get paid if he drops dead basically was, mm. was how it happened um so that was able to placate the studio um due to his health being in such a poor condition the cast uh was always working from two shooting scripts one where he was well enough to do it and one where he wasn't well enough to do oh, it wow um typically uh hepburn brought tracy in in the morning and they worked until she decided he was too tired and then they would both leave um sydney poitier who had already received his best actor oscar for uh Lille's, uh, lilies of the field a few years earlier was really intimidated by working with the two of them mm. and said he preferred acting to the empty chairs when they had to go home oh. because he was he was less scared of, of acting to nothing Fair enough. but yes yeah, so they they really got tracy through this as much as they could and made sure that he was as um as capable of doing it and uh, mm. clearly this was extremely important to him mm. to to do this um when he was his work a, is impeccable it, yeah that he's that sick and you know mm. giving it 100 percent. yeah it's um yeah it's a heck of a performance even without that knowledge of, yeah you know, yeah this... he's it's so good like again mm. he does yeah such a great job of just yeah of listening and and going through the motions of his rage like partway through it he just obviously feels completely blindsided mm. by something he's never considered and there's a period of the film where he's so angry yeah and mm. frustrated and then comes out the other side you know solidified in that his his viewpoint is 
valid even though he's been so angry he's like yeah. you know well there was a reason for that because i'm scared and i'm worried and that's yeah. fine and i think it shows how bigotry and fear continues is where mm. it's rooted in that fear and that fear turns of like the fear of the unknown of bigotry turns into anger and it turns yeah. like you know and and that's where he stays and then that's it's a great discussion about phobias of when you're looking at racism, or homophobia, transphobia, you're having that fear and then you've got that anger. And then the next stage is what do you do next? Mm. And the next thing he does is that he was so set in his ways, but then he sat and he listened and then he took time and reflected within himself. And it was like, are you going to be in this anger mm. or are you going to mm. do something to change? And I yeah. think he does a great job showing that. Mm. And growth. I think the film does a great job of showing that he he might have gotten there by himself yeah but he gets there because of the support of ryan of his wife yeah even of mary yeah like, like mary i think is the crux of it isn't i it? don't know yeah. he would have listened to mary though without the others going you're being foolish you're being Probably. stupid yeah like, that yeah. kind of thing and he even though he he has to actively make that decision it's just a really nice balance of somebody of a character making a choice but also being uh, reminded of yeah. what they stand but for. It, but it shows yeah. how changes happen. Like that's something, you mm. know, a section with my job when we go to kids and teenagers and, and we talk about changes that someone makes. Mm. It doesn't happen once. You When you learn something like in class, when you're learning your times tables, you don't get handed a times table and go, cool, no, you, you know it. You've got to learn mm. it. And mm. a lot of time with changes, it's about other people in your life making, you know, constantly putting in you know it's a community effort you know someone isn't going to change their opinion and their views because mm. they're going to come up to this idea on their own mm. no one goes oh maybe i shouldn't be racist oh maybe mm. i shouldn't be a sexist or homophobe mm. it's other people that have to go hey why do you think those why yeah. was that your knee-jerk reaction and it has to be people that also that they respect and care about it just can't come from strangers yeah. because that's not necessarily mm. always going to work and i think that does a great job of showing you know that community effort mm. yeah uh, this film was instrumental in largely ending the marketing consideration of how films featured african-american characters and themes um when it was assumed they would be rejected by mainstream audiences particularly in the southern states of the u.s mm. in that regard the film was such a major widespread success throughout the whole of the u.s including the south that the marketing factor would never again be considered a major problem for any major film release oh i looked up the film before we started and i saw the I think it cost four million to make and it made 54 million mm -hmm. it so was a smash hit yeah and, yeah. and, and across america that's and amazing. i think the fact that for a lot of people and yeah the fact that it did go to the south and people would have been really worried you see them kissing you see them being close and emotional and mm. um and they're talking about race and bigotry um i think the fact that they were elite and wealthy Mm. that automatically takes away of your judging yeah. us like working quote unquote like working class mm. people so it's a it's separation mm. and two it is about listening it is about conversation and like that final monologue it's about love it's about mm. two people that fell mm. in love and we're all uncomfortable and i think for for a lot of people watching this film in the cinema that would have been the first reflection of a conversation on such a widespread scale of a film mm. of going let's talk about racism and not 
not about segregation not about like we're not talking about the laws and the yeah. and the rights we're the actually high we're, rhetoric of it. and we're the rhetoric the we're realistic. talking about the realistic mm. people how this affects mm. a p- people and families around the dinner table mm. and the conversations that you have because all of the big conversations are in cars are in are in the ensuite bathroom with the husband and wife as they're shaving mm. you know it's, it's in the veranda <laughs> yeah. like these are these are the everyday conversations. So not the politicians, not the, like even the people in San Francisco, even the, the liberals. This is like, I think it would have been the first real conversation that mm. maybe a lot of people would have had. I think a really important factor in that as well, just in terms of that um, discussion, is the fact that they make it clear that these two characters haven't had sex. Yeah. Um, and one, I think it does a really good job of showing how switched on Joe is. Where, yeah. you know, it's like, we haven't slept together, he wouldn't. Which yeah. is a funny line, but also shows that, no, she she knows what she wants, but also shows that their relationship isn't based on sex. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. But it, There are yeah. still, like, it's in the 60s, and there are yeah. moments where you're like, this is the, these are the 60s. Because it has lots of, like, the best thing a wife can do is help her husband but like it also is that sense of support like you know how like yeah. being your partner to someone to lean on but mm. it does very much have yeah those ideals of uh, still and i think that helps also is yeah. that they they really make it clear where they're like look he's a doctor they haven't had sex this is like they she would wants be the perfect person and he they want to have kids because she wants kids and, and family mm. that's a real marriage why why else would get married if we don't want kids you know so mm. they really put in those those nuclear this yeah. isn't this would be an ideal couple in every other front the only thing that's stopping them is like other like dad says you it's just a pigmentation problem like that mm that is the only thing and they yeah. make that the only issue and i think it does a great job of not making the conversation more complicated yeah. than it's, it would it's already, already, already be already a liberal family from california <laughs> san francisco oh yeah california well yeah yeah mm. <laughs> and you know his family's from la like there's already that you know sort of a huge divide in america between california and the rest of america as it seems um, to be if as, american yeah. listeners <laughs> tell us if we're wrong yeah. um um but and, yeah. and also tell us if we're right as we, yeah. we are making the assumption right now um, when this movie was conceived and launched intermarriage between African Americans and Caucasians was illegal in 14 states towards the end of the production the US Supreme Court handed down its decision in Loving versus Virginia the Loving decision was made on the 12th of June 1967 two days after Spencer Tracy died uh, just mm. on the timeline in Loving, the High Court unanimously ruled that anti-miscegenation laws uh, regarding marriage were unconstitutional. In his opinion, Chief Justice Earl Warren uh, wrote, quote, Marriage is one of the basic civil rights of man, fundamental to our very existence and survival. To deny this fundamental freedom on so unsupportable a basis as the racial classifications embodied in these statutes, classifications so directly subversive to the principle of equality at the heart of the 14th Amendment, is surely to deprive all state citizens of liberty without due process of law. The 14th Amendment requires that the freedom of choice to marry not be restricted by invidious racial discriminations. Under the American Constitution, the freedom to marry or not marry a person of another race resides with the individual and cannot be infringed by the state. End quote. No, oh, look at that. Hmm. Which kind of feels like the, the end argument of this film. It re- yeah. really does feel as though this this film and these discussions and, and that particular judgment are all 
sort of around yeah. that same issue about and the fact it's like let them get married and that's i think that also shows how how much they wanted to make this film and how timely it was mm. like these were the those that, that those were the conversations that were happening and like mm. the i think it was showing a reflection of times of everything changing mm. and like it and like happening so fast like not fast because it's it take it took a long mm. time but the perception but, of but it that perception of, ha- of it happening mm. so quickly is the fact that they made this film and then the laws changed you know mm. and um and that sense of generation and that mm. and how it sort of carries and do you choose to let that carry you or do you choose to i like you know continue going forward mm. because of the rights that you were now given which again Another great scene, like how Sydney said that to his dad, of going, "You did that. No, I don't owe you anything. You were my dad, and I. Oh, and yes. you know, so that is, you know, I don't owe you anything. And if I have another child, I they won't owe me anything. And I think that also shows that that generational thing. You had it harder, and your job is to make the next generation better. So you shouldn't make me mm. feel guilty." Because like you had it because you had because it harder. Things might actually be better for them. Yeah, yeah. and it'll be the same with. The kid, I mean, that is quite funny because, you know, they, they said, you know, that our son would be the president of the United States and, like, you know, the generation era of the, the 50s and 60s is, you know, is I think was showing that the politicians that would be around now, um, yeah, I think it was showing a, a change that was eventually happening for a future that they might never see. Mm. And that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. The final bit of trivia I have is regarding the three-inch bronze sculpture of Spencer Tracy that's featured in this film. Yeah, she says, there's like, oh, she made it look like him. And he's mm. like, oh, he's very serious. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Catherine Hepburn made that. <laughs> um, and it was one of the items that were included in her estate auction in 2004 because oh. she kept it, obviously. Yeah. Um, the bust was the most sought-after item and fetched the most money. It sold... For three hundred and sixteen thousand dollars, they were expecting it would maybe make about five grand. It's tiny too. Yeah, that's but, amazing. But I think it's because of obviously this film as well. It's yeah. this film. She made it for her friend, who they've been in like nine films together. This being the mm. ninth, um, that she kept it for then almost forty years afterwards as well. Um, yeah, I think whoever really wanted that was willing to pay that. Fair enough. I, I'd like to think they were very aware of that. And mm. um, yeah, it's... And, and Catherine Hepburn could sculpt. Who knew? Multi-talented Yeah, woman. so it makes so sense. Talented. She runs the art gallery. She she probably made half the stuff in there. <laughs> Not the kinetic sculpture. No, no. Piece of, of shit. No, yeah, was that was the one piece. That <laughs> Get out like, of here. What is that? I mean, look, I love a Rube Goldberg machine, but that, that wasn't great. I loved how, like, he turned it back off as he left. Like, it was Ooh. so good. His, oh, just his reaction of, he's like, I know what you're all thinking. Mm. Like, I'm just going to be really nice and really... Yeah, it was... He's so good. He mm. He's so charming. I remember watching this when I was, like, 15... And I was like, I was like, I've never seen like a man so attractive in a suit before because mm-hmm. you know how everyone dresses so impeccably and I'd never seen, because this was, so I was 15. So we have to remember everyone, this is emo scene. <laughs> like no one was wearing suits. And when people had done mm. like over early 2000s, suits were also weren't meant to fit. So no, they, they were, were baggy, oversized. You were, oversized. you were wearing like a black tie or no, sorry, like a white or a grey tie yeah. with your, like, grey suit. It was disgusting. It was just gross. I don't know what happened. Every, yeah, but um, so watching this film at, like, 15, 16, well, uh, you know, 14, actually, and seeing him 
in the airport just walking in that suit and the whole time and him sitting there with his legs crossed i was like this (laughs) is a gentleman (laughs) this is a man this is like this is what a man should dress like this is a suit i like uh, you know i made up a fake celebrity crush because i was like i thought kids were meant to have one when i was like 13 i did the same thing yeah and i was like yeah orlando bloom i I guess um from pirates of the caribbean it's a good chance i went for helena bonham carter yeah because my my reasoning she was in that planet of the apes remake and she still looked pretty attractive in the monkey prosthetics so that was (laughs) was like i I said if you look okay in a monkey prosthetic then just you imagine. must be beautiful. Just imagine. Yeah, <laughs> mine, mine was because I think I loved the film Pirates of the Caribbean and I think mm. I loved the character and the, the pirates and the swashbucklingness um, of it all. That I was like, yeah, no, he's really he's really cute. And oh, we, we went on like year six on camp Nightly. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, more coming terms with my sexuality. That's probably why the whole film. That was a long time. I was like, yeah, I mean, they're all hot. And they're in my head, hot. I was like, but one of them is special. Yeah, yeah, one of them is extra nice. Um, yeah. But I think I think that's why I love Mackenzie this film. Mackenzie was who you were really <laughs> yeah. after. With um, his fake eye. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, watching him and then To Sir With Love, same thing. He mm. looked great in a suit. He was in England. He was a, That's what's great is that he's oh. an American teacher going to england in this sort of prep schoolie but it's like a public it's, it's a it's a they're all rat bags and then he's <laughs> coming in and he's and that's some of the english teachers are a bit angry that this american is coming in and he's yeah. um telling them what what um but he looks great in that suit as well and i so when i look back i actually go i think he was my actual mm. first celebrity crush that i refused to google him because mm. I only knew him from these from films, these films. and mm. I was like, I know, I know that he's like at that time as a kid. I thought he was in his nineties. That shows he only passed away <laughs> at ninety four. But in my brain, I was like, oh, he's probably so old now. I don't want to look at him and, and only see an old guy because you know when you see yeah. old actors yeah. and you see their young picture, but you can only see them old yeah. with a fake youthfulness yeah i was like i've only seen this guy in his 30s i don't want to google Mm -hmm. him as an older dude i eventually did but i think he was my actual first celebrity like movie crush Mm because he he always looked just so handsome Mm -hmm. and just charming in every film with with his recent passing i'm I'm curious did you come across the story that um julia louise dreyfus told about him no okay this might make you fall in love with him even more oh my god okay he was amazing <laughs> so, so yes th- this is taken from uh, julia louise dreyfus's twitter account uh it's um it goes as follows in the middle of the night when i was eight years old i was given a white rose by the most elegant man i would ever meet i was in tunisia with my family my father worked in the 60s uh, for the equivalent of doctors without borders at two in the morning my mom woke me up and in our nightgowns we went to the lobby of the tunis hilton where they had set up a little black and white TV on which we watched Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin walk on the moon. Afterwards, we headed out to look up at the hot summer night and the never again the same moon in the sky. What could possibly top that? Well, it was when we returned to the lobby and that handsome, elegant stranger gave to me and each woman present a white rose to commemorate this historic evening. My mom, in something of a swoon, explained to me that this was not just any man, this was Sidney Poitier. What a ge- what a gesture, what a gentleman. Rest in peace. He, oh my, oh my God, that does make me love him more. Oh my he, God. I can't even, like. He's just like, man's just walked on the moon. Every ha- woman deserves a rose right now. A white <laughs> rose. 
And like, but that's the thing. I remember seeing like his interview. Like he just like just charming. I just so sexy. But he's like intel. Like he was just like yeah. you saw him on screen and you were like you are you are clearly intelligent and kind and mm. and it makes you feel good when you know that they also were that because um, <laughs> it makes you a bit nervous if you're like please don't be an asshole yeah. but like i think that's also why for me when i found out he passed it did feel mm-hmm. like this generation of because when you watch this film it's mm. the it's just if it, yeah it mm. feels like this sort of era of hollywood is gone it'll be the same i think when like de niro eventually passes away but he's from mm. a different generation yeah he's like the so next one he's the on. next like one julie andrews and yeah i mm. i yeah he was i feel like yeah he was from that part of hollywood that doesn't exist anymore but he mm. managed to be in different eras at the same time yeah. i yeah i it makes me sad yeah. that he's gone but we have a heck of a lot of good movies with which yeah. to remember him by. So, uh, rest in peace, Sidney Poitier, you smooth devil. <laughs> um, yeah. Smooth angel. Yeah, smooth, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> smooth he was, angel. He was an angel. Absolutely. Um, yeah. An amazing actor. If you haven't yeah. watched his other films, I definitely, yeah, mm. go and watch them. It, it does suck. Obviously, a lot of his films had to do with, like, race of some kind. Mm. Um, and he would have got more films. I Like, he's, that's the other thing that gets me, is that his career he would have had like such a stronger larger career um if it wasn't because of racism in hollywood or if he was born say 50 years later yeah i mean even then imagine a 44 year old sydney poitier right now he'd be in the marvel cinematic universe like that you say that you say that but (laughs) like too good for it um but you know there's it there's still an issue now um Mm, you know we talk about interracial relationships but even like will smith couldn't get a leading role. I mean, his first one in a romantic comedy, they made sure that the woman wasn't white. Um, mm. And even then, Dwayne Johnson only just got a romantic leading role in the in the jungle. jungle I, ha- I haven't watched it, but mm. it looks like they're actually making him look like a romantic lead. Yes. Um, yeah. Flag, um, okay. Yeah. And like, that's not mm. that's not a surprise that yeah. it's taken him this mm. this long. So Hollywood still has very much a huge issue with. Um, uh, with men of colour mm. being with white women in Hollywood. Um, mm. I mean, first of all, also the fact that when people talk about interracial relationships in cinema, they only make it person of colour and white person when yeah. that's that's not what interracial means um, at all. But that's how Hollywood portrays it, that a white person has to be involved in the relationship. Yeah, one of the main characters has to be white. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, how would we sell how, the movie? How else do movies work? Uh, how, how else? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think, Holly, I think Hollywood in a way, it's getting better with media, but I think that has to do with independent people pushing it. And even then other, um, uh, like other artists, like when you look at, um, I'm so bad with names, um, uh, What's his... Oh, Washington. Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington. Mm. Like, um, you know, he's an amazing actor. Mm. Um, You know, but again, like, you know, he's probably... And he put in a lot of work, like uh, Chaswick... Chaswick Boseman. Yeah. Yeah. um, Spoke about how, you know, he got, like, some of the, like, grants to help move with his acting because Denzel Washington was putting that in the arts to make sure that there's acting and work Mm. and... Um, and even some of the actresses, you know, when they look at, yeah, other actors in Hollywood, you hear them talk about how they get compared to, you know, the white Meryl Streep or they get mm. like this and you have to work. You can be like an Oscar nominated actor and still not get a lot of work. And I think it's, 
Yeah, so I think there's still an issue, but he was one of the forefronts. He was, like you said, he was the first. He was the first um, uh, black actor to win an Oscar. Mm. Um, oh, to win to win the to, the to win an Academy Award actor or actress. Yeah. Um, award. Um, yeah. Big, and big deal. yeah, and so it was. It was because of him and his work, and the fact that yeah, he had to play a certain role as well. He had to be charming. He had to be kind, and like he, you know, because he was putting a positive portrayal when mm. Hollywood wasn't even showing. He was a leading man when Hollywood refused to acknowledge that um, black men could be leading men, and mm. I think so. He's the foundations of. Mm. We wouldn't have Denzel Washington. Like you know, um, uh, yeah, without without Sydney mm. um, and the work that he put in and produced and directed, he mm. didn't get a lot of work as he got older because he was no longer seen as a love interest. And like I think mm. that, yeah, he was a great actor and a good man. Sorry for my rant, <laughs> listeners. Uh, no, he, was, he was your first crush. He was my first was Hollywood, first Hollywood and I'm, crush. I'm so sorry that you found out by our Facebook poll. <laughs> and he know, passed away. He lived a good life. Yeah, he, he did. Good long life. So. Yeah. All that remains is for us to score the film. Oh. Anna, you get to go first because it was your first time watching. Guess who's coming to dinner? What would you give this film out of 10? I can't think of a reason not to give it a 10 out of 10. You can give it a 10 out of 10. I think it will be my first. But I just, mm. I don't, I don't know what I would change about it. Like mm. I had such an enjoyable time watching it. The script was so incredible. It was so well acted none of these people should be changed the script couldn't be changed i couldn't the green recommend screens in the in the taxis uh, the, the green screen in the taxis <laughs> well not they won't even 9.5 yeah no. Um, no i i think it's a fantastic film and i would rewatch it mm. Mm-hmm. so 10 out of 10 yeah i think so absolutely okay uh, yeah i same i think this is this is actually genuinely I, like i said i hadn't watched in a couple of years but this is genuinely a film that i come back to mm. every couple of years to watch um and i enjoy um so yeah i think it's i think it's a great film i'll mm. give it yeah i think i'd also give it 10 there's nothing i would change there's... i already want to rewatch bits of that on youtube you know i, I can sometimes... understand coming back to that dialogue just to be like oh, i want to listen to that monologue. i, I want to listen to sometimes that do yeah <laughs> i would love to see the stage show like yeah. honest i'd love to see the stage show and it's part of its era like and that's the thing you couldn't make this film now um, because it was so in the moment, it was it was on the pulse of what was going on, and yeah, there might be some stuff that would be considered dated or some language or how people view things, but that was the mm. point was because it is it is a reflection of the time mm. exactly. But you can watch it and not and not go ooh, because yeah. there are some films that you go, well, that's a reflection of the time in the worst way possible. Looking at you, Breakfast at Tiffany's, um, <laughs> like you know. But this is mm. this is an a uh, this is an amazing film, and I don't think you could redo it. I, there's and people tried. Guess who with Ashton Kutcher, two thousand and five <laughs> or four or anyway. Year for cinema. I, oh god, um, I don't even don't even guys don't even don't even. But um, yeah, ten. Yeah, look. Um, there was actually an, another stage show that was released in the last couple of years that was about Hepburn and Tracy making this film. Oh, wow. And Kenneth, it was it was an audio play, uh, and Kenneth Branagh played Spencer Tracy. Oh, okay. Huh. Um, I haven't heard it. I came across it while doing some research for yeah. this. Apparently, it's quite good. Um, good. So you might want to look that one up. Sounds interesting. Uh, yeah, as indeed right. our listeners might. Uh, for me, um, I, I'm absolutely in the same boat in terms of um, when I'm considering a really high score it's usually 
uh, particularly 10 out of 10. Mm. It's always, what could you change? Like, could this film be made better at the time? No, uh, I don't no, think it could. Not at the and time, no. I, I think that the writing is so good. The, the acting is incredible. Yeah. Even Skip can't ruin it with his weird dance <laughs> that was all, that That's a weird scene, but I you No, know, the weird I scene is it. after Martin, uh, Matt, Matt backs into the car and drives off and that guy's angry and then all the teens just start clapping. clapping? When he's yeah. being a jerk. Yeah. He's being a real yeah, jerk. Yeah, but again, I also think that's also showing, Eve, again, when you if you're looking at this as like a as a representation of the country. Mm. Also how the younger generation treat the older generation as if they have nothing to offer and should go. Mm. And even when he's apologised for his mistake and gone, look, here's some money. I'm he's sorry. 50. He's 50. Yeah. I'm sorry for it's what's like you going on. You weren't looking at what you were doing. You ruined it. Yeah. And yeah. instead of actually... Yeah. So I think it actually does a good job of... Mm. If you're looking at it in that way mm. of like, yes, there are issues, but you can't completely erase even with how he talks to his dad this whole generation has to go Mm. it's sort of like no you know what you have to they have a place in this as well they shouldn't be kicked to the side and ignored but that being said it is still very weird actually the only thing i would change is maybe getting more of tilly i think like there were some moments that it would have been nice to get her a little bit more but she still killed every scene Mm. like when she gets in his face and the camera tilts and she's just like I'm, yeah, like, uh, I thought that was really cool, but I think it would have been nice to get more because the actress did a good job not making her one-dimensional. Yeah. But that was because I think the actress did a good job, not because the writing offered her mm. more. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I- I'm a sucker for any film with, like, a jovial Irish priest as well. Um, <laughs> Who isn't? Yeah. So good. And he was wonderful. Uh, everything was wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's great. I'm... I'm gonna I'm gonna join you. It's getting ten pontificating old poops out of ten, <laughs> which is also a great insult. I know. So I'm gonna be using that more often. You pontificating old poop. Uh, it's just glorious. Um, so yeah, what a film. Um, go and watch it if you've not watched it and you've heard you us watch it. Blow it. You've listened to us talking about it for an hour. Just just go go and watch it. It watch is it. a hell of a film. Yeah. Um, if you watch it on ABC iView, if you're in Australia, the quality is not as great. We had to rent it on Amazon Prime because we yeah. needed subtitles for captioning. And like automatically the quality was higher, which made me upset because if you're in Australia, that's where you can watch it for free. So mm. still watch it. But if you require closed captions for watching it, then unfortunately Actually, that's not provided with ABC iView currently. Um but, You're gonna have to rent it. Yes, you have to be friends with Andrew David, who uh, sponsored. Very, yeah. Sponsor of the show, Andrew sponsored David. This very specific episode by uh, letting us use his uh, account to what to rent this uh, film. Yes, and I'm. Are you, you four dollars ninety nine now? But you know what, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew David, you should watch this yeah. film. You've yeah. got it for thirty days, uh, Andrew. Uh, no, no, now we've watched it. He's got it for two. What? Yeah, when you what? start I watching it. I thought it was 30 you days. You have 30 days to watch it and then two days you to watch it. You have access for the next 46 hours. Okay, 46 I'm... hours, Andrew okay. David. Okay, you, you know when you yeah. went to the video the... store, you rented it for $2 and you got a week. This is bull, Amazon. You should have a week this with this. This is Bezos' problem. This is, mm. you know. Yeah, anyway, okay. a, a big Go to your you. local library. I'm making a call out now. Go and support your local library. And they yes. will have this film. They, they will know have what's this good. Film. Or they will get it for you if you ask because they are angels. That DVD will have subtitles. And it'll probably have special it'll features. Probably, 
Maybe it'll have special features. Yeah. Or maybe if you're outside of Australia, you probably have more options because <laughs> you have it. So if you're in America and you're listening to these Australians going, what are these Aussies? They don't know jack shit about this film. Then prove us wrong. Rent it. Watch Rent it, it. Borrow it. You steal know, it. Steal it. Hey, hey. Whoa. I mean, don't steal don't Give steal your money it. to Jeffrey Bezos. Ma- That's morally better, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you know what? That's a fair point. Uh, look, <laughs> the, the official stance of this program is don't steal anything. No. But I'm I'm not your dad. I'm not watching you. And also, don't listen to your dad. If this film's taught us anything, <laughs> it's no. You'd be better off with us dad. all dead and off your back. <laughs> um, so, yes, Anna and Kate, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Thank you for having me. This is a wonderful opportunity. Thank um, you. Yeah, I'm so upset that only two people knew Sydney's, like, enough of his work. Mm. Um, That needs to change. Mm. It does. Well, if you want to help that change, uh, you can share this episode with your friends. Uh, mm. That's right. I'm mixing up the end of the wah, wah, podcast wah, wah, talking wah. for this week only. Um, if you are enjoying this particular program or indeed other episodes that we have released, um, please feel free to share it around. Um, you know, I don't like to bother people, which is a weird thing to do when you're producing a podcast for people to listen. <laughs> but yeah. I, I'm generally not sitting there going, listen to it. I'm like, oh, if you've got time, like that. Yeah, <laughs> that but sometimes sort of people articulate the views that, like I listen yeah. to this podcast and I'll be like, this person articulates exactly how I feel. And mm. then you can hand it to someone. So then they're listening and not to me for an hour going, <laughs> this is an allegory <laughs> for America at this time. It's a metaphor. That's why the marriage is quick. That's why they're young. You've got to read into it. I'll sound crazy. But if you give them to me, like, you know, as a podcast, I, you know. They can yeah. pause it. They can watch an installment. Yeah. And if they driving. think they're crazy, they don't think you're crazy listener. That's true. That's, so yeah. if you've enjoyed any of our episodes, please share them with people, with your friends, even with your enemies. Just share them around. Before you fire them. Yeah. Before you fire them and give them $5,000. <laughs> That's such a good scene. Shitty kinetic sculpture. Uh, uh, how do you share it? Well, you can invite people to like the Facebook page. Um, we, we have a Facebook page. It's where we put up a lot of our polls for voting on and news and information. So just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club on Facebook. Give it a like. Share it around. Uh, you can also share where the podcast is distributed, be that iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. While you're there, you can even leave the review. You can recommend this program to people who you've never met on the internet by going, ooh, five stars. I love when Kate talks about allegories. Whatever it is, <laughs> just throw it in there. Um, and of course, we have our Patreon. Um, whilst Andrew David might be our official sponsor today, um, our official sponsors for every other episode are our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash podcast. They get bonus goodies and features. Um, you can too, for as little as a dollar a month. But that's all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. See ya. Goodbye. Yeah, that's how. Goodbye. Yeah, as we're around the dinner table. You got to give a little. Take a little. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.